What's up, Dialed fam? Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Dialed Health Podcast. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and head coach here at dialedhealth.com. And I'm Amber Simon, project manager of dialedhealth.com. And this is our first co-ed podcast. And I hope you can tell the difference in sound quality because we have legit mics that took us forever to set up before this episode. I mean, Amber, did we spend an hour trying to just get started today? I mean, that's an exaggeration. I think it was more like 30 minutes, but it felt like forever. Okay. And see, that's why she's here, people. She's going to keep us honest. And actually, what I'm really excited about with Amber is that she's just going to help this podcast kind of flow because we do quite a few solo episodes and she's going to be the interviewer of myself on these topics instead of me just kind of trying to give you the whole spiel. So we did our very first attempt at that today. And the whole topic was really about my own training schedule and how I piece together the week between strength workouts and between riding workouts and recovery and how I alter it. And then we even finished with the rapid fire round, which is pretty dang fun. And I, I know for myself, it's always way more enjoyable to talk to somebody. And I feel like I can give out more information when the conversation is directed and I'm not trying to do both. I mean, how did you feel like it went, Amber? Yeah, I think it went well. I mean, we've been having conversations for what, six months, nine months and on the phone and stuff. So I think it went really well because we've already got our cadence kind of figured out and the podcast had a lot of direction. It was nice. It was good. So let us know if you have any recommendations of how you want the show layout to be. We are making these huge changes. And again, I'm excited about the amped up production quality with Moxie Media. They're going to be editing this and really just helping us with the whole you know, production in general. So that's why we end up with these mics. We're using a new uh, recorder to basically get all of this audio. And I think we'll have video eventually, but we're not going to worry about that yet. Our goal is going to be higher production of the podcast give you the same type of content that's a little bit sharper than it was before. Hopefully that'll allow us to get on even bigger guests. And then really from there, we can focus on maybe bringing video down the road, but one step at a time. I'm really proud of this updated version of the pod. And I think just like that, we got to get into some announcements. We'll get into our interview. And then of course, we're going to finish with weekly thoughts with Derek, because I had a vasectomy like four days ago and you know, I'm not going to hold back on the details. Uh, Amber, is there anything you want to add? No, nothing super specific. Just looking forward to being on more podcasts. It's going to be fun. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And I think a lot of Dialed Fan members have communicated with Amber, by the way. I should probably let the people know that you are a Dialed Fan member who reached out. It was probably like a year and a half ago and just said that you want to get involved and help me with some of the back end work. And we've slowly kind of built up that relationship now. And you are the a quote unquote project manager, even though you're doing yeah. basically everything behind the scenes, just yeah. like the new LEL winter kits that should yeah. probably be safe for an announcement. Yeah, and no joke. the DHB challenge it. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> just throwing out everything left and right. Um, but yeah, Amber and her husband Quincy, they live in Emporia, Kansas, which is like the gravel capital of the world, basically. And they're just genuine members who have wanted to get more involved with Dialed Health. And we've been doing that behind the scenes for the last six months. So Amber, welcome to the podcast officially. Thank you. So excited. All right, guys, without further ado, let's jump into this thing. very confident about the announcements that we had, but then I realized this is actually coming out a week later. And this is the episode I would have normally announced the Dialed Health 
vert challenge winners on. And I'm not, I guess, used to being this organized. Can you help me out with this, Amber? Yeah. I mean, you are pretty organized sometimes. It depends on what it is. But the big announcement, I think, is mainly just the LEL kits. Like, it's going to be sick. They've, I've yeah. already seen what we're coming through with. It's going to be great. They're going to be toasty. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Do you want to tell them actually what we're doing specifically? Because I will say I've had an insane amount of people reach out wanting kits. And every time we do, and this kind of has happened with the drops where we have an order window because we do it just like a team order. And then of course, when people start getting their kits and posting them, then everybody like wants the kit. <laughs> so right. we wanted to do a similar design or kind of have the same theme as we did for our summer kits that were basically that white and black tie dye, but we want to do winter kits. So give them a rundown on what's different, Amber, and also tell them what type of product we're doing. We're doing a reverse. We're doing black tie dye with like a little white. So we're doing like exact reverse of our summer kits, but we're doing the thermal bib shorts. Going to be really cool. We're doing the long sleeve jersey. We're doing the vest. We're doing the neck gaiter and we're doing socks. And it's yeah. going to be so, it's going to be a fit. You know what I mean? <laughs> literally. It's literally. Be a fit. It, it'll be really literally. nice to have the long sleeve jerseys. Uh, the long sleeve jersey print is going to be that full black and white tie dye, but again, it's reversed. Yes. So it's mostly black. And we did that because it's winter and you're probably going to be going through a lot more water and mud and whatever it may be. So that yes. was the idea there. And then the bib. The bibs are thermal, which I've always wanted a thermal yes. bib because it's like my hips seem to be the only thing that gets really cold on those types of days. But we're not able to do the all over print for that. So it's just the lower band around the leg is going to have that black and white print. And then we're going to have some Dialed Health logos on it. And it's still going to be all, well, it's going to be white, black and gray, basically. Yeah, it's going to look really good. And I think the great thing is, is that it'll match anybody, like whatever shoes or helmet, it's going to look sick. You know, it, it's going to yeah. be good for everybody. And I'm also really looking forward to those uh, thermal bib shorts because my gosh, I just get cold. And so yeah. it'll be nice to layer that up with some like leg warmers. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they wrap up with. I think we should be turning that over quick because the the point of getting it turned over quick is just so that we can get them back in like the six to eight weeks or whatever for the turnaround so we can get it before it's cold. So we're working hard on that. Yeah, we're doing our best to get it out timely. We're still getting used to these, how all the the stuff works because you have to be so ahead of the schedule uh, with anything online. Even like this podcast I mentioned, this is a total side rant, but we now have to be one week ahead for us to go through the production, I guess, third party that we're using. Because a lot of times you guys, I would do this podcast the day before and then edit it a couple hours before it came out at midnight. So it'd be right before bed. I'm like, oh shoot, I got to edit up the podcast. And I'm so grateful to not have that process anymore. But it does mean that the last minute announcements or something can't happen the same way. So we do need to be more organized. Right. We have definitely learned that with these kits and we're hoping for everyone to have them sometime in at least like, I'm thinking like early November, October, yeah, that's November, kind of my hope. Yeah, yeah, mid mid November. Yeah, you have the majority of the winter to winter actually spring. wear them. Yeah. The neck gator is going to be more fun, kind of like polka dot theme with the Dialed Health logo. And then we're going to have the socks, which are just going to be simple and clean. But yeah, I'm stoked about these. I'm, I'm pretty amped too. And we're, we're definitely trying to get ahead of the pre-planning on these kit releases too. I think, you know, I've had conversations about like, when should we uh, do another drop? So I think now that we're into the routine of knowing when we need to think about it and what we want and then getting with LEL and their awesome team over there, I think we're doing better with that. So yeah, we're doing better. Uh, we're still coming a long way. So uh, got to give ourselves yeah. some credit. It's been so rad to see everyone wearing it. And selfishly, 
I'll be honest, these are just the kits I wanted for this winter. So <laughs> that's pretty much yeah. <laughs> what we're getting. Yes. And other than that, with announcements, like I said, we're a week out. So I think that's about the only thing that I hadn't covered on that previous episode. I'll tell you, if you haven't listened to that very short episode that I released last week, go and check that out because I talk about all these changes that we're making with the podcast now. But more importantly, I talk about the investment that we've had in Adult Health that's allowing things like this third-party production to come in and just growth across the whole, really everything with Dialed Health, including the app, which is the big one, the big thing that we're investing in that we've been wanting to do for a while. And it really is just taking some money. So yeah, that's all in the in the move. If you want to hear more specifics, listen to that very short episode from last week. And with that being said, let's get into this interview. So we're all busy. A lot of us struggle with being typically like inconsistent. I know I struggle with being inconsistent sometimes. And I think the biggest question I have out of this whole subject is how you schedule your workouts and rides around your normal life. You've said a lot of times that your odds are better if you like think about your week ahead to get in your workout. So can you dive a little more into that a bit and what your thought process is when you're approaching the week ahead and how you organize and prioritize your brain for that? Yeah, it's a great question because you're definitely not the only one that struggles with this. I struggle with it more when I don't have a quote unquote normal week. But I think most people listening to this have a typical schedule that they kind of follow. And so anytime I kind of bring up my approach, I feel confident that most people can implement it. And what's nice is that it's simple enough to make those last minute changes. Like I got a vasectomy four days ago. Obviously, I couldn't do my normal workout schedule. I had a wedding to go to recently. And we had the DH Vert Challenge where we're pre-riding and then I'm doing the Eversting ride. So there was a lot in this last month alone where I had to move a day forward or back or add in a rest day, or even add in another ride day on a typical rest day. So the best way that I would break it down to simplify it is know how many days per week that you're going to pedal and how many days per week you're going to strength train. And also how many days per week that you want as full on rest. So for myself, through a lot of trial and error, I found that two total body strength sessions per week is ideal for me. However, there are times I have to do three if we're filming or doing something like that. And I've even added a third day occasionally just to try it. But when I do it for weeks on end, it seems to be like after the second week, just that extra day each week, it compounds and it becomes too much where my recovery isn't as good. So after a couple of weeks, even though I can go hard and push through it, it starts to feel like too much at that point. So I've really found out long-term in the last couple of years that two days of total body strength for me is ideal. It allows me to get in really quality total body sessions. I have a lot of variety and I'm still able to pedal my bike four days a week, which is the big part of that equation. And something I do my best to be honest about is that I really do ride my bike more than I strength train. Even though Dialed Health is all strength training for cyclists, I know that to be a fast bike rider, you have to ride your bike and you have to do it right. regularly. So four days a week for that is a great fit because it allows me to get in one complete rest day. And that rest day is really a day where I'll do foam rolling. I'll do a lot of recovery work. And I just make sure that there's no intensity on that day is the big thing. You know, I, I don't stress about having my feet up all day. I mean, I can't with my kids and life and whatever. But and if we're going to go walk around the mall with the family, or if I have to do something that's somewhat active, I don't stress about that. I mean, and this is the big difference between normal people and world pros or 
high level athletes is like, you could really prioritize your rest more, but I don't, I don't want to stress like that. So the one day a week off is nice because it feels like it's enough time for my body to actually recover. Uh, but those all came about kind of because I knew two days a week was the perfect amount of strength training. So the thing from there is knowing what your program is and then being comfortable making some form of a modification. So I know, okay, four days a week I'm pedaling, two days a week I'm strength training, one day is complete rest. Now, ideally, I'd have my strength sessions spaced apart as far as possible. So for me, it's on Wednesday, Friday. Uh, they're not on back-to-back days, but they could be spaced out more. However, I realized that Monday tends to be a great rest day after the high volume of riding on the weekend, which I mean, I think, are you the same way? Do you take a Monday rest day? Yeah, we typically take a Monday rest day. So that's Mobility Monday, obviously. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Well, Monday when you worked in a typical gym was International Chess Day for everyone. It's like Monday, start out, go hard. You've been partying all weekend. <laughs> it's my past lifestyle. Yikes. <laughs> no, but it's funny, like in the endurance world, Monday is most people's rest day. And so having that as a rest day, having Wednesday, Friday as my training days was great because, okay, I can make progress with those sessions. And now I know I'm going to be doing the majority of my volume on the weekend when time allows for it, just with a normal work schedule. So then on Tuesday and Thursday, I can get in my my two rides, which are usually 90 minutes on an, uh, on a trainer. But because I have the flexibility of being like, okay, what I have to do today, the, the thing that is carved into stone is I have to strength train or it's carved into stone that I have to rest or that I have to just pedal. After that, there's a couple things I want to talk about on this, but for me personally, I have flexibility after that point. So with pedaling, because I'm not on a very like highly structured program and I'm not with my strength training for reasons I'll get into in a second, I allow myself to say, okay, most likely during the week, I'm going to be on the indoor trainer. So the thing that's carved into stone on those days is that I'm either strength training or pedaling or resting. Beyond that, I have a little bit of flexibility. And a lot of that reason is because I'm not on a perfectly, I'd say perfectly, quote unquote, perfectly structured program on the bike and in the gym. The gym work, as much as I want to follow one of my programs, it's so difficult for me to do because I have to create new content. I have to try new stuff for new programs. So I'm kind of like the guinea pig, which is a bummer because every time I have followed my own programming, honestly, I love it so much. And it's it's cool to do it. I'll occasionally just pull a workout from the website you know, I'll go to the road program and just do one day on it or something. And every time I'm like, gosh, these are so good. And I just wish I didn't have to create a workout every time I worked out. I wish I could turn my brain off, go through the process. There's so much thought that goes into those. Even the the guided workouts. I did one recently before my uh, Everest ride and I was doing it. And I was like, it is just so nice to turn my brain off, do this workout. It feels incredible. And it's a good reminder that what we're doing works, but I just can't do that very much because my job literally doesn't allow it. So that's why I don't have much structure there. And then because it's interesting, I I might get a little bit more structured going into next year with my on the bike riding, but I, I also feel like if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And I'm still making a ton of progress on the bike. And I've really allowed myself to have flexibility. And I've just kind of gone through phases where I'm like, okay, I'm either going to be in more of an endurance phase right now and just try and build up my base. I'm going to be hanging out more in sweet spot, or I'm going to be doing more threshold and sprint type efforts. And so I've gone through that cycle a little bit last year, but 
really, as of now, I know, okay, two of my days per week during the, the midweek are probably going to be on the indoor trainer. Uh, I'm going to do at least one zone two ride. From there, it's going to be whether I'm in like sweet spot or more threshold or if I'm in like that anaerobic zone. So right now I'm kind of getting back into some sweet spot work. And, and then on the weekends, I just allow myself flexibility to go mountain bike or go road ride. Because like here's the thing is, I guess too, I love riding hard outdoors. So if anything, my rides on the indoor trainer are usually where I do my endurance work. Because when I go out on a road ride, I don't like to ride slow. I really don't. And unless I have a group ride or some kind of like photo shoot or something that's going to, if I have something that I know is going to change the pace of my normal riding, I'll try and predict for it. But basically I know when I get out on the bike on the weekend, I'm going to ride hard. It's just what I like to do. So I try to compensate for that with more controlled rides on the trainer during the week. But there really isn't a ton of structure because even when I go ride hard, sometimes I'll just spend a lot more time in sweet spot and sometimes it'll be a super punchy ride or sometimes it's just this tempo ride where I'm kind of holding the pace the whole time. And either way, I'm going to come home absolutely smoked. That's just kind of the way I like to do it. So, so that, that's the big layout of the week. You know, I have my set in stone, I'm pedaling this day or I'm, or I'm strength training. And from there I give myself a little bit of flexibility and it's honestly shout out to trainer road for creating the adaptive training because now they give you these options to stay more consistent. And, And I think that's something I want to bring up is that when you do have your set in stone activity that day, it allows you to also modify quicker because instead of being like, oh, you know, maybe I should ride, uh, maybe I should strength train instead or yada, yada. It can just allow you to regress what you're doing if you have to accommodate for time or you're just not feeling good. You just drop back the intensity, but you keep it moving. I have not tried that adaptive training yet, but it sounds great. I've, I know people that have tried it also loving it, but man, I relate with the whole, like, I can't go out, not go out hard. Like, you just get the vibes, you know, you, you're out, you're riding, go hard. So I like that outlook that you're doing your endurance rides at home because it's what you can control because you know, dang well, you're going to go hard in the paint outside, right? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's also something that we should enjoy as maybe people who aren't paid professionals. And if you are a paid professional listening to this, this probably is the one thing that doesn't apply to you, but uh, having the flexibility and the freedom to kind of do whatever when you get on your bike, especially if you're with people that day, it, it is a luxury because a lot of top pros have to stick to the training plan. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That that would be really hard. I never really thought about that perspective of like, they have to stick to their training plan. Like, I guess we're kind of blessed to be able to like be flexible and, you know, do what we need to do. So I was going to ask as well, like, how do you communicate that when you're like setting your week of intentions, right? Do you text your wife and be like, I'm pedaling these days. Are those so set in stone for you that you just know it's Wednesday, Friday strength. And she just knows that. Do you look at the weather when you schedule that out? Like, how did you get started? And like, were you writing it down? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Yeah. She does kind of have an idea of what I'm going to do on each day because it's so consistent. But one thing I kind of brought up with the changing schedules is that if you look at your week and you know, example, a vasectomy, <laughs> if you know you're not right. going to be working out the day before, like I knew I was going to be, wasn't going to be riding the day after, right? Let alone maybe not doing yeah. anything. And it's kind of an extreme example, but I did instead of my strength training on Friday, because it wasn't till later in the afternoon that I went to the hospital for it. I was like, you know, I'm going to get in another ride because I'm most likely not going to be riding this weekend. And Right. You know, that, like I said, it's an extreme example of where I will miss a session. I mean, it's, <laughs> I think, pretty legit. I actually did strength train on Sunday after it, after the Friday, and it went well. 
But I knew I was like, that's going to be maybe the only option is like some upper body work on the weekend. So I yeah. pushed that Saturday ride up to Friday and I rode back to back days, which I don't normally do. But that was a small adjustment I made. I was still able to get a strength session in on Sunday. And really with that minor surgery, I only missed one session, which was kind of a just an example of how to modify it. So yeah, I mean, and then as far as Lish goes, my wife, <laughs> she's she's really supportive of she understands that my workout, thankfully, it's it's a part of my job now. And I've had to work to that point where it gets the extra credibility, even with riding now. She knows that if I'm going to get content or just riding to keep myself in shape, I mean, I'm always pretty much getting content, but she knows it's an important part for the business, which has helped me. But also she knows that I'd be doing all of this and like same activity level workouts, whatever, if it wasn't my business at all, because it's just who I am and it's like what I need to be at my best best mentally, probably even more than physically. It's like, I don't feel like myself until I get the workout in and it just elevates the rest of my life. And I, and she knows that because in the past, I mean, we've been together for 14 years now. So she's seen me at times where I'm not working out or exercising or racing or whatever it is at the time. And she knows I'm not <laughs> as pleasant as a person to be around. So I think she prioritizes it because of that. Uh, but she also knows that we have more convenient times than others. And if I miss that convenient window, I'm still going to make it happen. And she knows that about me, no matter how inconvenient it is. Like if it's 9 p.m. setting the trainer up in the living room, it sucks, but I've done that. And she knows, okay, it really is better if he does it now than later or vice versa or whatever. Supportive spouses, that's like highly underrated, I think. I know that you know, oh. I have a supportive spouse. He'll he'll let me get it in anytime I need to get it in. If I need to go to the gym, I can go to the gym. But not everybody has that luxury. And so it's a big balance of trying to like balance these social interactions with the people we live with and get in the things we want to get in. And sometimes they're not necessarily supportive. I know a lot of people that don't have that kind of support. So I guess we might be yeah. a little, uh, you know, hashtag blessed or something. Yeah, it, seriously, that is, uh, I can't imagine not having that. And it's still, even with a supportive spouse, it can be very hard still to pull yourself away from the family when even right. if you're walking into the garage, like a lot of weekdays, I will, it's interesting right now with the twins, they just stopped sleeping through the night again. And I think they're getting oh, teeth. No. So Holy. Lish will get up with them once or twice during the night. I'll get up if both of them wake up. And typically I'll hop on the trainer relatively early, 6.30, 7. But it's been kind of getting pushed back because she'll be up a couple of times. So I'll let her sleep in a little bit later. So then she like wakes up and like tag teams and then I go onto the trainer. But sometimes I'm walking out into the garage and all three of my kids are freaking out. They're crying. They're throwing fits. Oh my. I could tell Lish is like, oh my gosh. And it's it's hard. I'm walking out there and I'm just like, oh, like, it, you know, I feel bad. Even though she's fully, in, she's got it. She's encouraging me to go. I'm still walking out and I feel like something's pulling me back in, you know? Yeah. Dad guilt, man. It's just not yeah. just mom guilt. I'm sure you you struggle with that too. I mean, it it's hard to not expect us, expect ourselves to be, super present for our families constantly. It feels selfish sometimes. It feels selfish, even when you have a supportive right. spouse. That's so. so true. Yeah, that mom guilt is real also. I mean, just, I have to literally push Lish out the door to go do stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, she'll be home yeah. all day with the kids on, well, on days she doesn't work. And, you know, she just wants to go tanning or something. <laughs> she, she literally yeah. is like, I just want to go get a coffee and go tanning. 
30 minute trip and you know because the babies are freaking out or you know something's not the way it should be as she leaves she's not leaving a peaceful household and it's so hard for her to do that if that's not the case yeah Uh, you both relate because you have the same experience going out to the garage with everybody going insane inside. So it's, yeah. it's nice to have a supportive spouse that where you can schedule things out. I know that I just let Quincy know, my husband, I just say, hey, I'm planning on hitting strength Tuesday, Thursday. Maybe we can ride together Wednesday and Friday. And so I kind of go into my week that way. So it's kind of interesting to hear that you have things a little more set in stone usually. But, you know, sometimes we have to be more flexible. So that was one thing I wanted yeah. to know how you communicated. That's, no, that- I'm happy you brought that up. And the dynamic of you and Quincy also, you guys ride and you you both use dialed health workouts. So, yeah. and, and sometimes you do it together and sometimes you don't. Is that kind of hard for right. you to decide when, when do we ride together? When do we not? Because Lish refuses to ride. And I think I'm still going to get <laughs> her get on that. an e-road bike eventually. But it's always been okay because I thought, you know, this really is my time away from kind of everything, which is probably good. So then, yeah. How, how do you guys organize that? Uh, well, for a while we rode together. I was nervous about riding. And so we always rode together. But then as I built confidence up on being on a bike and being around friends that I'd made, I started going and having my own rides by myself, you know. But now I guess we ride more together than we ever have. But it's because I have gotten so much stronger by using the programming that you have put out. I was nowhere close to being able to ride with him where he could get a workout. But the last month, I've been able to like, you know, kind of push and, you know, his heart rate is higher. So that's been an interesting perspective. And yeah, it's been really cool. So we do ride together, but that's not always been the case. So yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I want to have my own time. And so I'll just go to the trails by myself or I'll meet a girlfriend and we'll go shred or he wants to go hammer. I can't go hammer like he hammers. So we just have to trade off. And it's the same with the gym thing, too. I'm not always doing the same programming he is. He kind of hops around and does, you know, the guy, he really likes the guided workouts. And I would rather stay on one program. So I've been doing the kettlebell program and I've done the cross country program, but he struggles a little more with like that long term consistency. And so he just kind of picks and chooses. So that's kind of how yeah. we, I don't know, sometimes it's together. Sometimes we do kettlebell works, workouts together. I mean, just kind of depends on where it's going. I think it's just that back to that like flexibility and communication of just saying like, hey, what do you got going this week? What do you want to get accomplished? And yeah, it, it's kind of like Chaz, each other. You know, Chaz on the last podcast talked about the balance is always a moving target. And it's the same thing with your workout schedule. No matter how routine your life is, you still have to have that communication for it to actually work. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a communication be, but it is a little rough when you're like, I want to ride on Thursday, and you like forget to kind of communicate it, knowing that you normally do, and then they plan also to ride because it's going to be nice, and then only one of you gets to ride. That's that's power couple oh. problems or something. I don't know. <laughs> power couple problems. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, totally. so schedules conflict sometimes, and one of us has to just like miss out. It happens. So that's kind of sad. Totally. As you've made this transition of trying to like gain all of that strength, right? Mm-hmm. What do you feel like made the biggest impact in working towards that goal? Oh, that's really interesting. It's crazy because actually I've been at 4.7 watts per kilo for a while now, really for like the majority of the year. And thinking back to when I did my first actual FTP test, I think I was down at like, I was in the low threes of watts per kilo, I believe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But it's awesome that you bring it up working towards four because I feel like I've been working towards five forever. So it is actually a good perspective and reminder. But I know initially 
Although I had so many years of pedaling under my belt through enduro riding, the biggest thing that made impact was endurance riding for me. And yeah, like just, zone two, zone three kind of thing. Yeah, just holding a zone and not stop, like not stopping my my pedal stroke. Because even though you feel like you have a huge base as an enduro rider, because you can just go ride all day, and I would do six hour rides and big rides. I did a couple ten k days up to that point. You take breaks so much. You use such different muscle groups constantly. But the biggest thing is the breaks. You don't realize how many breaks you take as a quote unquote enduro rider, where you're stopping at the top before right. dropping at the bottom, or you're rewalking a section, or you're working on some form of downhill skill. So even though you do these quote unquote base type rides, and they're they're long and they're they're these whatever big rides, it's just so different than when you don't stop pedaling that that's what tripped me out when I did my first 90 minute I think I did the ride Fletcher on trainer road where mm-hmm. it's like a 60 TSS or something like that 64 TSS and really you just kind of hold I think well even now when I do Fletcher I, I'll be at 200 watts or 213 watts and then up to like maybe 230 or 2 250 at one point or something but it just is steady and you just you right. never really stop the power and it was crazy because it, you, at no point do you feel like your legs are just going to explode or you can't keep pushing or anything like that. It's just this deep ache that I had gotten initially. And I used to experience this on rides after like 50 miles where my legs, they felt strong still. And this didn't have anything to do with cramping or bonking or anything. I just got this crazy achy feeling in my legs. And once I started doing those endurance rides, I would get the same feeling like halfway through the ride. I'd be like, this is that achy feeling where I just haven't stopped pedaling. And that was the biggest thing that changed because once that went away, it allowed me to hold sweet spot efforts higher. And my outdoor rides got way stronger, especially over that 50 mile mark. And then slowly, I just started creeping up my FTP. But the endurance rides initially for me were the biggest game changer, which is hilarious because they're almost the easiest rides you can do on there. And it's just amazing how the body works. (laughs) Well, and it goes back to that whole like thought process of you like scheduling out your rides, right? Because you mentioned Mm -hmm. that you know, when you get on the trainer, it's endurance rides. And then on the weekends you go hard. And that's like exactly what you just told us, right? Like, well, for the most part, go get on and do your endurance rides. Yeah. When I started and I'm sorry, I cut you off there, but I think I only did endurance rides only for the first six months. And I noticed a big FTP jump from that. And it wasn't until I felt like I really had embedded that new base to where I started sweet spot rides and tempo rides. And even then I didn't go over sweet spot and do any type of threshold rides for like the first year on trainer road specifically, because I knew I was still riding hard outdoors. And that's my, my reasoning for that. I wouldn't recommend it if you're not someone who rides hard outdoors. And even after a year, I think it's good that you, you've, do the structure program because you understand it. It's like food tracking. It's like, you know what it mm-hmm. feels like. And then you can clearly look at the numbers and compare the two. And so that was kind of a, yeah. kind of a cool also learning lesson for me. But, but yeah, I stayed in that, that endurance zone for like six months and just rode hard on the weekends and then started creeping it up from there. I never really considered, you know, I'm kind of the same way where every time I get outside, I can't help it. I can't help a hammer. You know, can we make that a hashtag or something? Can't help a hammer. I can't help a hammer. But That's a good hashtag. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't resist it, especially when it's nice out. Like we're in between seasons and I just can't help it. But I've never been able to stick up, stick with the trainer program ever. And I think it's because I'm so uncomfortable sitting in a sweet spot workout that I'm just like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not into this. Like I can't. And so it's an interesting approach to just like, doing endurance rides for the first six months to maybe just get used to being on the trainer because that's honestly the worst part I think is just getting used to being on the trainer for long enough to make it worth it so yeah 
I think and that's that- just really what's clicked for me. I think there's other factors like my schedule in general. Right. And just the simplicity of it. I ride on erg mode. So I just hold a cadence and you let the program take you through the effort. And yep. I totally get why people don't ride trainers or don't like it. There's another thing too where I... I almost can't watch even a YouTube video while my kids are awake at home because it's so loud with my toddler. The babies always need something. It's very rare that I can literally just sit down and watch a 10 minute YouTube video. No exaggeration while they're awake. So, uh, and it's so rare that through the day they'll all nap at the same time. Like it happens maybe twice a month. So for me also, there's all this really good content I want to keep up with and people I follow and stuff that really inspires me and helps me create content. So I have a YouTube watch later playlist and that's where I watch it is on the trainer. So that's been a whole other layer where some days I'm not excited to get on the trainer, but I do really want to watch this stuff and it's kind of my only way to do it to be honest. Yeah. It's like, it's like your treat. Yeah, it kind of is. And it's funny too, because even though endurance rides are easier, I think those are the ones that go by the slowest for me. When I do sweet spot or some type of interval work, I feel like as hard as those workouts are for one, I love the feeling after where you just like, Whoa, like what just happened? But also I think that they go by faster or something because you're just looking at everything as a, a block instead of just solid effort. Yeah. Yeah, you're watching water boil on those endurance rides, it feels like sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know how people Everest on trainers. That's just so gnarly. No. What? People do that? I, how did I not know that? I don't. I did not know people did that. Yeah, I just saw a video of a guy doing a double Everest on a trainer. He was on it for like literally almost no. 24 hours, I think. Yeah. That is masochistic. I cannot yeah. believe that. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. So uh, was there something that you added in when you were like working toward, well, even now when you're working towards like the five, have you, have you had things that are like, you were surprised they made an impact or were there things that were like, this is a waste of time. I'm dropping it. How did you weed that kind of stuff out? Well, I'm still working towards the five Watts per kilo. And the thing that has been a little frustrating through the process is that I've had other goals kind of take me away from it. Because really the the five watt per kilo is a really important thing that I want to check off the list, but it's also not the most important thing. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting because even though my FTP hasn't gone up in the last six months, because I did a test recently and it didn't go up, but my ability to hold, (laughs) right. It's sad when you just look at that one number, but then you look at all your other numbers and- Yeah. It's like every other area of my riding has improved so substantially that I almost can't get mad at it. Like my ability to hold sweet spot uh, for a certain amount of time, just my recovery on rides, my nutrition, uh, even my aero position on the bike. There's so many things in like a real life scenario that have improved that just because that one ramp test hasn't gone up. Like I want to be honest, it is something I want to do. But yeah, it's just, I guess I'm proud of all the improvement in other places. And the biggest place I've noticed is really was building up that endurance and then just that sweet spot type fitness, or at least my ability to recover from bigger efforts. And yeah, I mean, that's been like the coolest thing, especially race star intervals. I've noticed on rides where you're kind of punching over a climb and then you want to hold your power over the crest of a climb. And those things have helped a lot. But what's funny is that before the vert challenge, I really tried to, I kind of made a few mistakes that I tell people not to do. And it was just trying to improve so many things at one time. So the month leading up to the vert challenge, I was like, I need to up my volume on the trainer. I'm just going to do 30 extra minutes on my trainer rides each week uh, for a total of an extra hour of volume. Well, already that time-wise was a little bit unrealistic. 
And then I was like, I'm going to add a third day of strength training and I'm going to up my intensity during my normal two days of strength training. And so I wanted to go up in intensity, up in volume, not only in the time on the bike, but also in the time in the weight room. And after the two weeks, I was so smoked. And that was another reminder of doing that third day of strength training even when it is just completely upper body, it's just a little bit too much for me. And so instead of just upping my volume a little bit on the trainer, or I could have literally just upped my strength training intensity just a little bit. Like I started doing a little bit more barbell work because I just wanted to make my body as durable as possible for the challenge. But really in hindsight, I did just too much around the board. I think even on the third week, I was like, okay, I'm going to lose three or four pounds before and I food tracked for like a week. And then it, it just like all of a sudden I was like, I am literally doing too much right now uh in yeah, right. too short of a time frame and so in hindsight i wish i would have just upped my strength training intensity each session and that's it or just added my volume on the trainer because that was really the only thing that would have been realistic but then again i ended up having like two very hard weeks of training i had one week where i went back to my normal volume and then i had a, a rest week it still worked out pretty well, but I'll tell you like training specifically for the FTP has gotten interrupted by things like the vert challenge. Right. <laughs> I also training yeah. for the vert challenge. I did a double century on my road bike with like 15,000 feet of climbing at elevation. And so that ride takes it out of view. And I actually think the week before that is when I did my previous ramp test. So there was like these big endurance goals that were really taxing and took a long time to recover from that have all been in between me trying to boost my FTP. They've outweighed it in importance by a long shot. But I will say the last time I took an FTP test, the only thing I thought was, I think I should just take a lot more ramp tests. So it was a ramp test specifically for the FTP. But those are so almost unique feeling. And the way my legs felt after, they were so blown up. I was like, honestly, if I really want to beat AKA the ramp test, I think I should just start taking a lot of ramp tests. Like That's practice really, ramp tests. Yeah. Only you would think to do that. I would never think to do that. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's like, you know, how do you get good at doing pull-ups? You just start yeah, doing a lot of pull-ups. Start doing a lot of pull-ups. Yeah. Makes sense. And I have thought like, okay, so even though I haven't had this perfect structure in the past on my bike, you know, I don't think it's going to happen for me like periodization wise on the strength side because of what I said earlier, but uh, which would be probably an advantage, especially if you're working up to like a max strength phase, kind of like in the off season enduro program. But if I were to do a FTP booster specific training program on the bike, maybe it would make a difference. Um, But again, like intuitively, I just think I know how people like to overcomplicate things. And again, it's like, if you want to get really good at ramp tests, just do freaking ramp tests all the time. And it's, that sounds horrible, but like, I don't think, I can't think of anything more clear than that. Right. I think it's great for people to hear that you like way overdid it going into that training because it's so relatable. And I'm sure people are like, oh, like he knows what he's doing. He would never do that. So like, I guess my question on that is when you're like adding all those things and then finding that it's too much, is there a checklist or like, how are you self-analyzing when you've added too much? And then what do you do to like tweak it? Do you just, I mean, are you, how do you feel that burnout? Do you just immediately like take away the strength or what is your process on that? I think a lot of people feel burnout and they aren't sure what to do if they should just push through it or what are your red flags? How do you fix that? That's yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I try to think of it from the member's perspective and just past clients perspective, because I know that I'm just so deeply ingrained in what 
this whole world is that I think differently yeah. than a lot of people, which is understandable. And I'm also very intuitive with my own body. And I have been really my whole training career, just paying attention to how I feel. And even with a lot of the information I provide through content, people will see like a lot of it is very practical. I appreciate science and I try and make sure that, you know, we do things that are, we're spending our time in the right areas and we're not ignoring the facts. But at the same time, when information is unapplicable to me, it's way less interesting. And so that's how a lot of the stuff has come through with dialed health. And even me, you know, putting value on certain pieces of information. I'm like, if I can use this, then like, I only almost want to know it if I can apply it or, or apply it to other people. So through that whole philosophy, it's required me to be very intuitive to like how I feel in general. And also understanding how bad you can feel and how you can still perform and pushing through it. That's like also a personal thing with me. I just, you know, it's not something I would recommend for everybody, but even when I am sick or something, there's a lot of times I'll still kind of do my workout and I just try and I see what I see what I can do. And I know at times it's prolonged injuries, it's prolonged sickness, but there's also times where I'm really surprised and I'm like, wow, you know, I didn't feel good beforehand, but I actually felt great during that workout or it helped me recover from whatever. So anyways, I I guess I bring that up because I spent a lot of time analyzing how I feel and just trying stuff. And so I think with the Everesting thing, I... The big red flag I had was when I was food tracking and all of a sudden I didn't feel like I could do it. And that to me is a red flag because I know I can do it. And I've done it before in the past. And I realized, okay, something's off if this feels like such an obstacle. And I'm like, what is it? And I'm like, well, you know, my schedule at home is a little bit more crunched because I added 30 more minutes on the trainer. So now that I'm trying to cook my post-workout omelet or whatever, just entering in, I feel so much more stressed because I'm already on a time crunch. And it's kind of trying to get back to the root cause. And so for me, like I said, upping the volume was already kind of difficult just on the bike, let alone in the gym. And then when you up the intensity also, you know, you're cooked. So I'm in more of a rush. I have less energy. And now I'm trying to just do something like track my food, which is easy for me at this point, but it requires like real attention to detail and you have to stop and take time and it takes some thought process. And like, that was too much for me. So that's when I realized I was like, okay, like I am doing obviously some doing something too much. And then it brought up those thoughts of, well, I guess I have tried to up the intensity and up the volume in all these areas. And I actually remember the the moment I was making eggs (laughs) after a workout. And I just thought, wow, you're an idiot. Like I tell people all day long not to do this. And I just did it. But yeah, I, I think the thing is like, you have to give your body, you have to give your body time to really adapt to anything. And at that point for me, it was after two full weeks of doing what I set out to do. And usually that's kind of the tipping point, I think, for a lot of people where they can keep moving forward or they do need to dial stuff back because adaptation, I know two weeks with strength training when people start, the first two weeks, there's more soreness than normal. There's more swelling of the muscles. Like there's more stuff going on that takes time to get through. And if after two weeks, your body doesn't kind of feel like it got through it and feels like it established a new baseline and you never do feel like you're starting to recover, that's when you probably do need to dial it back a little bit. And I was at that point. And again, those are just things that I know. But the biggest thing is that all I did was just dial it back. I went from that added volume and everything to just back to my normal schedule, which is like the tried and true thing I've been doing for years, you know, day in and day out. So that's another thing too. When you do feel quote unquote burnt out physically, mentally, whatever, from whatever training you're doing, I don't think you should just hit the light switch and just back off. You just got to dial it back just a little bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. You've mentioned the dial method, I think, a couple podcasts ago about just don't turn it off. Just dial it back. And I think that's a great dial it back. That's a great idea. I like it. I think the thing I take away from that is that you have to be aware of when you need to like grit it out or when you need to like recover or dial it back. Yeah. You know, sometimes we do need to like you've said a million times, you have to be a little hard on yourself sometimes. Sometimes you have to just like grab it mm-hmm. and get it done, get it over with. But there are times that you have to dial it back and recover a little bit. And it's good to have a baseline. Yeah. And I also do know about myself that I have a tendency to grit it out. And I'm confident in my ability to grit it out. And usually if I am, if I have all these signs that are telling me to back off, I think it's usually pretty legit. And it comes after multiple efforts of of just gritting through something. It's never like that first sign of, oh, I should back off that I actually listen. <laughs> I usually push through a few yeah. other barriers. And that's just knowing yourself too. If you're somebody that, like I'll tell you right now, again, we're talking about the vasectomy again. Uh, yeah. There Why are not? people... <laughs> trying to give me advice on how much time I should take off where uh, I just, yeah, they don't know. I'm you. like, well, they don't know me, but also I'm like, I think this person is also the type of person to look for any opportunity to miss a workout. And there are people right. like that. And I've trained them over the years where any little thing comes up that throws them off their normal routine or what they expected or any type of friction comes up and they're just like, Oh, can't do this. Can't do that. Can't whatever. And you have to know, if you're that type of person or not. I don't know if if you were that type of person, if you have like the ability to admit it to yourself. I hope that you could, but uh, there are people who will say, oh, you're not going to ride your bike for a month. or And I don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. But I rode my bike today and I feel pretty good so far. I mean, I was on the indoor trainer, but again, it's like you have to be, you have to consider the source. There are going to be people that yeah. are always telling you you're doing too much because your success makes them feel inadequate. And- it's right. not, it's just, yeah, it's kind of a shame it's like that. But yeah, always always consider the source and know what type of person you are. Do you naturally kind of grit things out and you have to tell yourself to dial it back for your own safety? Or are you the type of person that does need to actually put your big boy pants on, put your big girl pants on and just, you know, hurt yourself a little bit to find that new level? I think I think that's pretty valuable too. Yeah, yeah, it's self-awareness. And I mean, I think that's really valuable. Along with that grit thought process, right? Do you feel like since you've gotten to where you're using the trainer, doing your strength training programs, do you feel like being on the trainer has given you more grit for doing actual rides? Uh, Being able to suffer through things? Do you think it's really helped you? I've always wondered if that translates, you know, as far as your grit of being able to finish things, because I'm not the kind of person that grits through things. I'm the opposite. I'm just like, "Eh, I'm done. I have no, no skin in the game. I'm quick to call it off. So I, I would love oh, that's to hear your perspective being the grit. Yeah, I'm done. If I'm done, I'm done. Do you think that's because you're just a content person? Like, I think it's I almost, I'm not competitive. I, I'm just not. Like, even with myself, I'm just like, mm, no. <laughs> just, you know, you, when my head is though, done, I'm done. Yeah, you say that but, though, I mean, but you do a lot of problem solving for me. And I don't feel like there's one true. time where we've been working on something where you're just like over it. I mean, even doing this podcast today, I feel like you push through even more than me sometimes. So you got to give yourself some credit. Maybe I should. Quincy was just pushing me the other day. He's like, you have way more grit in your head than you think you do. You just decide to give up and you give up. But it's like, you know, when you're up at 11 p.m. washing bottles and like making lunches, I just get it done. And it's kind of funny to talk about grit that way. But it's it's like a switch mm-hmm. that I need to work on turning on or off. And Mm. I'm sure I could learn more about that switch if I actually got on the trainer and maybe I would gain some grit, especially if you're telling me that maybe I would. I think it does because there are times on the trainer where you're 
20 minutes into a ride and you're already looking at the clock every 30 seconds. Like, when is this thing going to be over? Yeah. And you're, you have a 90 minute ride or something like that. So I think in that sense, it does. And it's also efforts on the trainer. They almost feel like there's more drag than when you're outdoors or there's For just sure. less going on. Like It's almost unavoidable that you are going to think about the pain that's in your legs or your lungs or whatever it yeah. might be. So I think in a sense, that's more unavoidable. But also there's times where it feels kind of, the trainer feels kind of soft or easy because I have a fan, I have YouTube on, I have my bottles within reach. You know, there's no out, other elements I'm battling. Where outdoors, you know, sometimes you're riding and you're like, dude, there's just wind today. The temperature is not right. Like there's just tough stuff going right. on. You're on rough road, whatever. So I think I think just consistency builds more grit than any type of thing that specifically you're doing. Like when you consistently are on the trainer, or you're consistently outdoors, or you're just consistently doing a mix of each consistently, and you're not missing because of some weird friction or circumstance comes up, that builds more grit than a particular style of riding, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Because thinking back to when I started doing actual strength programming with you, the first month of it was just a drag to like get it in, but it was like fine. It was fun, you know, but I stuck with it. And eventually you don't have to think about it as much. It's just, it's almost like blinking. You're just like, oh yeah, I just go do this thing and it's not that bad. So yeah. I'm sure the trainer does get to that point, but there's such a like, you know, you really do have to grit it out for a while. It's, yeah. I don't know. You do. Until trainer road, I never did a ride on the trainer that was over 45 minutes and 45 felt like an eternity forever. And yeah. so that it is crazy how you can adapt to that. Uh, and now it's so rare that I'll do a ride, you know, under 90 minutes. I, I really don't like to. And I, th I know a lot of it is like when you grit through something and you get the results you're looking for, it makes it easier to push through the next time because you know, you're totally. accomplishing like what you want. And it's like the yes. same thing with dieting, same thing with a lot, I think in life. But I will also, I will say one thing I stopped doing on my rides outdoors that I think's developed a little bit of grit, but now it's like developed or, or I don't know, it's like brought maybe some more peace into my life or something is I don't ride with headphones ever. Like even on huge oh, road yeah. rides, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll go do a solo either. century or something and, oh really? Okay. Yeah. No. And no. I, I recommend that a lot for people. If you're on a multi-use trail, you should not have headphones on. I know that's just my opinion. Like the amount of people I've you know, that I've yelled at, like not yelled at, but I'll be like, Hey, like rider up. And they freak out because they're in the middle of yeah. a fire road and there's headphones mm -hmm. and I'm five feet from them or you pass them and they freak out. That's annoying. But also just like listening to your equipment, listening to the surroundings and then just unplugging a little bit. I mean, yes. it's so rare that I'm not like taking in some form of content or listening to music or having someone talk or engaged with something that, you know, writing is also, you're already engaged in what you're doing. There's a lot of stuff happening. I have a heart rate monitor on, I'm on Garmin and yeah. I have computer connections going, but it's one of the very few times that I'm kind of unplugged. And the thing that does interrupt it is getting content a lot of times, but I'll occasionally do these full on, I just call them soul session rides where I won't pull out my yeah. phone at all and I'll still track the ride. But with, especially with those, it's like, wow, it's a real breath of fresh air. Uh, yeah. And I want to do even more of those in the future, but I would recommend people don't to try not to ride with their headphones for most of their rides. But I will say it's crazy how on the Everest ride I did, we turned on music at one point and it helped with motivation so much. I just had it on a speaker. Oh, yeah. So there's a point where yeah. I will, you know, pull it out and it does make a big difference. But as far as grit goes, I think no headphones is a cool, cool way to do it. 
Yeah. And I think that goes back to that whole, like, if you're going to do a soul ride, that's what makes you not feel burnout. When you know that you're going to get these releases of just like getting in that ride that just touches you and your soul, you know, (laughs) disconnected completely. Like you're saying, like everybody's consuming constantly. So it's nice to get disconnected and just be on your bike and listen to the sound of your tires. And I don't know. I get that. I'm the same way. I I don't typically listen to music. So if it's going to be a really long day, I might put it in my pocket just in case, but not, not all the time. And and that's the nice thing too, with strength workouts. So I obviously listen to music with strength workouts that I mean, doing a strength workout in pure silence (laughs) would be psychotic. I don't even know. Awful. (laughs) That would be so gnarly. (laughs) But, uh, I will say when you follow a program that has regular workouts, like all my programs, you'll repeat a workout for like a month or something. And it's cool because by the time you do the second or third time through or fourth time through, you don't have to look at too much. It's pretty no. uh, like autonomous and you can really get in the flow. And one thing I've yes. noticed, my best workouts in the gym, I almost can't hear what the music is, if that makes sense. Like there, when there's, yeah. so there's, sometimes I'll work out and I'm constantly like adjusting the playlist or turning the song or something. And every time my workouts like that, I'm realizing, dude, I'm not that into my actual workout. My head is not in the right, right. place. It should not yeah, even matter what I have on, yeah. let alone just like the, a small preference from song to song. And that's one thing I, I'm happy that I got to tell people too, is that if you constantly notice that you're fidgeting with your the changing the song or sips of water when you're not even thirsty or I don't know what it might be for you. But if you like, if you can tell me what music's playing like all the time or you don't zone out a little bit, you're probably not into your workout as much as you should be. Yeah. I've never considered that, but you're totally right. There, Some of my best workouts are the ones where I just like, I'm not messing with anything. I'm just present for my workout and right. getting it done. And it is, it's, it's nice to like get into that programming where you know really what you need to do and you just do it. All right. Question number one of rapid fire. You can only choose one for the rest of forever. Is it coffee pastry ride or cold beer, good food post ride? Oh, wow. It would be cold food, uh, beer post ride. Is that what was it? Cold food? Like cold Cold beer, beer. good food. (laughs) I said that maybe I'm going dyslexic. Uh, that's so funny. Yeah. Cold food. Um, yeah, because as much as I love a coffee ride, I'd way rather just hammer and then finish with some something relaxing. Like I'm actually shocked. I really thought you were gonna pick coffee. Well, I thought I knew one. you. I mean, coffee <laughs> is my number one, but it when it interrupts a ride and this is my forever thing, I'll have my coffee in the morning, go hammer, and then good food after. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same. Same for nice. me. Always cold beer after a ride. Do you really always drink a beer after your ride? No. Oh. No, <laughs> I wish I did, but no. Okay, cool. I'm just, I was just worried for a second. I'm, I was like, wow, you're really not kidding around. Okay. Next question. Morning, afternoon, or evening rides? Like, what's your favorite? You need a, like a golden hour ride or are you bright, bright and early in the morning? I like early. What's your favorite? Yeah, I like early. Getting early. up and going. I will say I've had some really fun afternoon. I mean, I've had fun rides at any time of day. I think I feel the best midday. But I think there's something yeah. about morning of just waking up and getting it done that feels really good. I love right now when it's fall and you go ride and it's like a cold sheet on your skin in the mornings. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. So I would agree with that. It's the best. A cold sheet. Um, so 
It does. It feels so good. It feels so good. It's very immersive. Okay, you're going to really love this question. You're riding 100 miles and you have to choose. Ride the whole 100 miles with no chamois butter or ride the whole 100 miles with no carbs. Guess what? <laughs> Pick one. I've never used chamois butter in my whole I, life. I, oh my God. I just did what? a 20 hour ride with no chamois butter. I like, literally. I don't even know. What no, to literally. Say to that. And even if I did use chamois butter, come on, carbs. Of course I would have the carbs. Oh, I mean, I had a feeling you would choose carbs yeah, as the one that you want. But I've legit but never. I'm a little shocked you don't use No, chamois. never. <laughs> I've never worn it. Um, to say I'm disturbed is an understatement. Really? <laughs> okay, so get this. So after the Everest ride, I had one saddle sore, but that actually came a few days later. What I thought uh-huh. might have been saddle sores. I knew it was a little bit different, but literally my, the chafing was so bad. It was just straight up chafing, like on my upper inner thighs and on my sit bones, that the skin was almost yeah. just gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Derek Nasal gave me this product called D's Nuts. And literally, it's like oh, a yeah, chamois I've heard cream, that stuff. but it's also for, you could use it as chamois cream or as a recovery thing if you've already gotten the saddle sores. Oh, dang. And I used that and it made a huge difference. I didn't realize that was like multi-use product. That's pretty handy. Yeah, he said it was the best for if you've already gotten the saddle sores and honestly it helped me a ton and it was just chafing, but I'm assuming it's all kind of like the same kind of treatment. So I just use that. I might use it again in the future, but I don't know. I mean, I've done some big rides now, like with no chamois butter. Well, I'm glad you can do that. I cannot, I cannot do that. Okay. So just off the top of your head, what are your like top three non-negotiable recovery action like items like what top three what do you got to do what do you got to use well it's going to be stretching shower and it's going to be some form of calories and like hydration and it's kind of a boring way to say it but I try not to get too hung up on like I have to do this one thing but I know okay yeah. The one of my favorite things about road riding is that most of my rides are from my front door and I can walk right in and take a shower. I love that. Like that is so satisfying to me. And so what I'll do is basically, of course, I'm gonna update, you know, save my Strava ride, maybe title it, throw a little description on there, a couple photos. And if I can literally just grab an ice cold Red Bull out of the fridge and walk to the shower, and usually I'll do some like static stretching in the shower. That so maybe that's my answer. Oh, that's a good idea. Ice cold Red Bull because I get some carbs, I get a little bit of caffeine, I get, and it's just you know delicious. I take that into a shower, do some static stretching in the shower. That combo is pretty on point. I had never considered a shower Red Bull or a shower stretch session. Shower so stretch is rad. I've never done no, that. No, it's really like it's definitely relaxing. Like be safe, <laughs> don't fall. But <laughs> do not slip. But it is nice, and I now with my kids, the age they are, and everything, it's so rare that I can just lay on the ground and stretch anymore. Even because my toddler like jumps all over me, yeah. So getting crawled on a couple you. in the yeah. shower in the bathroom before I walk back out is kind of kind of been my trick to make sure yeah. I don't miss it because I don't stretch because I feel like I quote unquote should. I do it because it feels so freaking good, and it's just such a great way to calm your body down after a ride and really i do have some things i always make sure i stretch my it band stretching your hips and your quads is is very very helpful your neck and your chest uh and i think it's part of the reason i my body's pretty durable can hold up on these bigger days is because i just consistently make time for that because it feels so freaking good so yeah that's probably the combo yeah that's like back to that self-awareness 
Yeah. 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 You're back to that self-aware thing of like, I know what my body needs. I just do it. I know that it feels good. So that's why I keep doing it. It's like that, you know, maturity and growth of being able to know what you need and doing yeah. it. Yeah. You can tell I'm like in the road riding mindset right now. But if I'm mountain bike riding, it'll probably just be like I'd be getting back in my car and doing a short commute. So if I just have something good to eat or drink on the drive home, that's probably good enough. Oh, actually, you know what? Here's what I do. I do a okay. little modified shower. So when I get back to my car, this is actually I'm. this is a fun question now that I think about it. I, I told you I was like, I don't want to do yeah, anything yeah. particular, but I have very particular things that I do. <laughs> so, yes, I okay. mean. Anyone who knows you knows this. So that, <laughs> that's so funny. So the road ride thing, I kind of what I just said, but it, it but it is looser on what I'll eat or drink or whatever. The mountain bike post ride situation is this is mandatory for me to feel good on the ride home. I will get all my stuff back in the car, load it up. The trick is no matter how dirty you are, wash your hands and wash your face. That then yes. properly lube after it okay so so it's got to be chapstick and a little lotion after and that feels so good i get back in my car it's like literally no even i'll still probably have my chamois on my dirty shorts maybe my dirty shoes even yeah um if the temperature's right you know i'm driving home shirtless and so i am i'll literally (laughs) you had to throw it in there didn't you it's the best i love i love a good shirtless post-ride drive home from a mountain bike ride it feels great so Basically, have this big water bottle I keep in my trunk. It's like this giant hydro flask. So I'll put the water in my mouth, like kind of swish it around just to clean my mouth out. And then I'll do big mouthfuls of water and I'll spit it into my hands to wash my hands. And then I'll kind of spit it into like a cup in my hands and then wash my face with it. So I'll do a couple cycles oh. of that. And yeah, I am spitting it out of my mouth into my hands to wash my face, but it, but it works. That's super sustainable of you, I guess. But we normally just put like a old washcloth or something into the cooler to like stay with the ice and just wipe our faces down this with that. is next level and then you don't have to use spit no, water spit water's <laughs> next level because you'll realize like the first round barely gets the grit off your face and then you get like the sunscreen off the sweat and it takes like two or three of those and then once you dry off and you hit some chapstick i'll hit some avino on the hands and then throw it on my face that feels uh-huh. so good and then from there i'm pretty comfortable in the drive home i love it nice yeah. Well, I'm never adding spit water in my routine, but I'm definitely going to add some chapstick and some lotion. So you, you swayed me on a couple things, but not not spit water. Don't sign me up for that. That's going to help some people. I'm telling you. The people that are down to try spit water are going to be stoked. I feel like no, but maybe. <laughs> okay. Well, that was like the last of my rapid fire questions. That was good. That was fun, dude. Welcome to Weekly Thoughts with Derek. Now, we were going to do this with Amber, and I look forward to doing that with her in the future, but it's actually the next day since we started this recording. The whole process of using this new recording service and setting up the mics and all that took way more time than expected yesterday. In fact, I was even trying to use this mic for what was supposed to be last week's podcast episode for announcements on my old service. So I was kind of like mixing what I'm doing now and it wasn't working. And I want you guys to know, I desperately tried to get an update out to you. 
And I apologize. I actually have podcasts I listen to every week. And when they don't post out of nowhere and I don't have an explanation, I personally get kind of pissed. So I'm sorry I couldn't do that for you. But I want you to know, I spent an hour trying to record this very short segment. And when it didn't work in my studio, I was like, you know what? I'm going to record this on my phone, on my drive home. And I tried that a couple times and it was actually just too hard to drive and podcast. I mean, go figure. So I ended up not doing it. My family got home and I got home and it was all over. So I apologize for that. And I figured it's a good thing for two reasons. For one, I can still give you the update right now as part of my weekly thoughts, because this is really the biggest stuff on my mind anyways. And we'll save the vasectomy talk that I planned on for next week's episode. And I'm excited about doing that because when I started putting some thoughts together about the whole vasectomy thing, although I've watched my fair share of medical videos, I still sounded like I was 12 when I was talking about it. Like Some of the words I was using, I was like, you know, I, I might need to figure out the medical term for whatever that is, just so I don't sound again like I'm a kid in middle school, just like giggling over lunch or something like that. So anyways, we'll save the vasectomy talk for next week's episode. We'll hopefully do it a little bit more properly. And by then too, I'll be a couple weeks post-op. And I'll be able to give you better kind of feedback on my experience and whether or not getting on the trainer four days after was a good idea or strength training two days after was a good idea. But uh, so far, you know, I'm kind of getting through this thing. Thankfully, I had a normal strength workout today, which is five days after, I guess. So anyways, vasectomy talk next week. Amber will be in on that, which will be kind of funny. And I just look forward to kind of getting the new flow of this uh, recording thing down. So here are my big announcements that I want to give you. And I'm just going to start with the big whammy. I mean, really the most exciting thing I think that's happened to Dialed Health, uh, maybe ever. <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, there's been big launch points. Probably the, the launch of the website is the only thing that rivals this. But this is fresh. And it's something that even before launching the website, I really couldn't have imagined or like fathomed. But we have an investor coming into Dialed Health. And it's a silent investor who is going to, well, I, I probably don't need to give you the details of our business deal, but I'll just tell you that this person very much has the best interest in mind for myself. I think initially with this deal, it's pretty clear that I am getting the upper hand and it's not about that at all, but I can tell that they really just want to help me out. And although there is an upside for them, financially, it's not going to be anything major for them, at least to start. And this is going to be something that hopefully grows you know, in the future. And we're going to be doing basically like, in, I don't want to say installments, but chunks of money at a time when I need it to grow. And you really only do it when I specifically know what I need to do, because I'm not about to just throw money anywhere. So far, we've been really responsible debt-wise, but we've just been operating so lean this year, like so lean. You know, when I was training people in person, I got to a point where my overhead and take home was all getting pretty squared away. And I was starting to actually save money for the first time in like my whole life. And then when I transferred to online completely, there's a whole like I, you know, tripled my overhead, I think just by all the online support and services I'm using and people I'm starting to hire out for certain jobs. So that just meant that the website had to catch up. And thankfully, it has, but it's 
it's still at the point where when something pops up, it's hard for me to throw money at it simply because I don't have it really. We're kind of, we're tapped out. And in the last three months, since my head's kind of come above water, since having the twins, it's been tough because I, it, it feels so obvious that we need a copywriter, that we need more money into our video and photo, that we need someone to edit the podcast for us, that we need to do more influencer marketing and actual paid, well, paid ads are a funny thing. I already started messing with that. I really want to just pay other influencers to help me with marketing. So anyways, there's all these things that come up and they're very obvious and clear at this point. And so I kind of wrote out a plan. I'm like, okay, what would it really take for Dialed Health to get to the next level? What is every job that I need to fulfill? How much would it cost for the next year to basically hire these people on? And also, which is the big, the biggest, I'd say, chunk of investment, which is the app. And I'll tell you right now, we are officially in the starting process of building the app. After really almost a whole year of wanting to do it, but not having the time, to be honest, or just the capacity with my twins. <laughs> you know, I had a conversation back in January with my web team. Like I sat down with the whole team and we talked for like an hour about doing this app. And it basically, I basically left the call being like, okay, I'm going to find money and we're going to make this happen. And I'll, I'll tell you, just so you know, I got my initial loan uh, for my studio through the bank. I went through the bank, did it that whole way. And I've tried to do that process again post-COVID. And it is such a nightmare. It is like working with banks right now. I mean, I feel I almost feel bad for banks because of the what they had to do with all the PPP loans, which again was a nightmare. But trying to get a loan more than like $30,000 from a bank right now is, is just so difficult to do. And I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I have a great connection at my business bank. And it's just, there's so much friction to get more money than that. And so I was like, okay, I obviously do need more money than that just for the app alone, let alone to pay people for a year, especially if we don't, our growth doesn't catch up with it within a year, which I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't think that's going to be the case. When you look at our numbers and our churn rate, actual our gross revenue and, and like really think of it realistically, it's so realistic that our return is going to back up this extra cost going out just for what we're hiring. But anyways, I was like, okay, we need to like be, be clear on what we need to do. And I just need to find some money, I guess. Well, I had my twins like the next week. <laughs> and and then literally since then, I just have been trying to figure out this new life with my my home life being so busy. And there thankfully has been a ton of growth with Dialed Health this, this year in a ton of different areas. And personally, like there's been just such cool stuff happening. I mean, it's been a really great year. And we've had just not, not only have we been growing up, but I feel like we've just been deepening our roots in a lot of areas. And the community is just getting so strong. But like I said, I felt ready for this. My head's above water with the twins. And right before the vert challenge, I started talking to someone specifically about basically some investment. And this person was like, you know, I have some friends that invest in businesses like yours, yada, yada. Let's start talking. Give me the information. And after some conversation and a few weeks of going back and forth, basically this person just said, hey, I, I'm your person. I want to actually be the one investing in this. And then if we need to, you know, move beyond and use some other resources, we, we could. But let's just, let's start with this and go from there. And I'm like, that is perfect. Because I, I'll tell you guys, I see businesses proposals and brand decks and stuff like that. 
And it's so like stupid sometimes when people are like, this is a billion dollar market and I can, I'm going to use this much on marketing in the next four years and I'm going to, we're going to grow this much and we're going to, and, and like when I see that stuff, I'm like, that is so bogus. <laughs> like I get what, I get people have to see the potential of business and understand it, especially when they don't know anything about your company. I, I get all that. And we were about to build up a brand deck and just go that route. And I'm just so grateful that we didn't have to. I was able to send basically just financials and game plans and talk to this person realistically like I'm talking to you guys right now. I mean, I'm not going to just sit here and be like, we're going to grow 400% in the next quarter because we implemented this marketing strategy. No, <laughs> like that's like, if you can do it like that, do good for you. Please call me and help me. <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't think that's going to happen that way. I, I just don't. So anyways, it's cool to be able to just talk to someone and be like, you know what? When I really look at this hole in the business and how we could fill it, I think that could you know, close our churn rate by 2%. I think that's realistic, you know, and how many people are just, well, by the way, churn rate is how many people leave the website every month. And even like, this is how many customers we're bringing in. You know what, if we did this marketing plan with the influencer, we could at least get in front of this many more eyes. And there's a good chance that this many people will probably sign up and maybe stick around, especially if our support is better. So long story short, we're getting help and it just, it feels incredible to have someone believe in the business, but I think what feels even better is to just be taking this next risk for the business and having that support there. It just, it's really rad. And I'm excited to push my own limits and figure out how to run a bigger business than just myself and kind of a couple people. And it's still going to be obviously a super lean operation. We're going to be very smart about how we do this whole thing, but let me give you the kind of the game plan and then you'll understand, I guess, where this money is going to go. So we're going to build an app. The app is going to be the biggest chunk of money. It's I'm hoping to launch it early next year, but I don't expect it to be within like, <laughs> it's not going to be dropping like January 2022 or anything. But I don't know. It's funny because we already have the website built out. It's with the same web team and a lot of the design and there's a lot of things that can just kind of transfer over. But our goal is to make the app the main usable piece of the main product, really. And we want the website to become kind of the hub for every all things dialed health. And I need to really figure out more specifics before I tell you what the app is going to be like, but it's going to be cool to have the simplicity and the user friendliness of an app, you know, things that will just be more simple, more obvious, quicker, easier. And that's the whole point of doing it. So I'm beyond stoked for that. Now, the team that's going to support Dialed Health in this process, uh, we have the web team behind the scenes. We have Brady, who we're going to now be able to pay more so we could do more photo and video. Because truthfully, I don't pay him nearly as much as he deserves. And he'd probably be comfortable with me saying that. He's like super hungry, growing his business as well. And it's crazy, but working together, we've helped each other a lot. <laughs> and that's how a lot of this is. When you're in this like small, small business stage, you have to get scrappy and you have to support other business owners and the amount of work just personally that I do for quote unquote free, it's, it's endless. It is so endless. When I talk to new people who are starting a business and they're just like, well, I don't want to start a podcast because I can't get ads right away and I'm not going to make money. I'm like, you failed. Like You failed already. So that's just a side rant. Uh, but I'm excited to be able to pay Brady closer to what he deserves to be paid and to allow him to do more work for us and get a freaking YouTube channel going. Do you know how many half edited YouTube videos we have? Because we've tried to do it and it just hasn't like come up because I have to, for example, edit the podcast or do some other work. That's one thing that's going to open up, which will be huge. I also have goals to hopefully send them out to work with other people and get content all for dialed health. 
Anyways, like I said, we have a podcast team that is now working with us, Moxie Media. Thankfully, they can produce and edit the podcast along with copywriting for it and making a blog post for every episode and writing the episode description, which is going to be awesome because now we can have more blog information and then we can have a forum thread for every podcast episode where people can go and ask questions and just connect about the podcast. And we're definitely taking a note out of Trainer Road's book on that one. It's just super helpful and supportive. And when there is a podcast that resonates with the content, you can dive into it deeper and it can help us connect our community. Because truthfully, right now, yes, we have a forum that is just, it's not sharp. And, you know, I'm guilty of not being active on it the way I should be. But, you know, between doing an insane amount of DMs and comments and emails and all the other touch points that we have, it's just been out of my capacity. But now, Again, I can pay someone more to like manage it. And that person, so basically I'll just say, we have that higher production on the podcast, which hopefully you can tell right now. Again, we have to work through kinks of just figuring out this whole new workflow, but I'm really excited about that production being higher because this is kind of another random side note. In cycling, I'm literally like one person away from every athlete or everybody in the industry, really, in every discipline. I, I think there's, and I'm not saying I have easy access and I can just call these people, but I know them and I could probably get connected with them and get bigger people on the podcast. I need to feel more confident in the production, to be honest. You know, the sound quality needs to be super sharp. I think we provide really good information and I know a lot of people love these business updates. They love hearing about my life personally, uh, which which I love sharing too. You can tell, I mean, it's it's cool for me to be able to tell you guys where my head's at and like where my heart's at with the whole business. So you know that, you know, even like last week when I miss a podcast episode that I'm literally trying so hard to get it out there and sometimes things just don't happen, you know? <laughs> so anyways, it's it's a cool thing for me to do and I just am excited for the, the podcast to catch up quality-wise with the content and then we can hopefully get bigger people. And so they'll be kind of working that part of the business. Now I don't have to edit it, which would be incredible. Save me a lot of time and same with writing the descriptions, posting, scheduling, all that stuff. And then we have Amber, who's our project manager, who's gonna now be the co-host on the podcast. And she has been doing so much behind the scenes with with all of our projects from the DH Vert Challenge to getting new kits made, which those are going to be so sick, to the most random stuff. I mean, ordering these mics and just kind of keeping me on a task, I guess. So she really has become like the project manager, but she's also going to be doing a lot of community management as well. I know quite a few people email back and forth with her and she guides them through the website if they need it. And then I get forwarded more specific programming questions, but she's also going to help with the forum and make sure that that is valuable and fun for you guys to use. So she'll be going harder on the community aspect of it and we'll be able to pay her more to do that, which I cannot wait. And really from there, oh, the last thing, <laughs> this is one I'm, I'm throwing out there because I don't have a person for it yet, but I'm trying to manifest it. And if you know anybody or you're this person, reach out to me and let me know. Nutrition support. Okay. I have quite a bit of content to guide people through food tracking, and that's really what I believe is the best option for people. Uh, and that's what we're going on. You, you need clarity with your message. We don't have food coaching as a service. It's a whole other business. So we need to work it into our product because it's so important, and I feel like very few people have this down like I do. But we need just more content for you guys to not only understand the process, but also engage with, like AKA recipes. So... This is really cool. 
my idea is if we had a nutritionist and I have a call with someone next week who I'm hoping is the person, but if we had a nutritionist who understood endurance foods and that could make a recipe for us weekly and take a photo of it and post it to the blog and you guys have even just one recipe a week that has macros on it that is focused with, you know, an endurance mindset in general, just that alone would be so awesome because then I can, because I have other work offloaded and we have Brady to do more YouTube stuff, I could do like a full day of eating and then do a full day of tracking. And now I can help coach through the process easier because those other things are basically already being done for me. Uh, Because I have even attempted to do these recipes again. And I'm like, I can do it, but like, what am I, why am I spending my time like this? (laughs) You know? And so anyways, that's the vision for the website now. And Yeah, I I can't really think beyond that. I don't think we really need to. I I think that if we implemented everything that I just told you, it would be so much more valuable for the user and it'd put us in that next place to get clarity on the next step. I don't really think we need to focus beyond that. But my goal is by the end of this year to hit a thousand active subscribers. And we're right around 800 right now. We're just kind of, we, we tend to float around like a 10 member mark up and down. And again, I'm super proud of that because we ended last year with 500 and you know, that's like what a hundred and how much growth is that? <laughs> What's the percentage on growth? Where are my math people at? Where are my stats? Where's my Excel spreadsheet people? Tell me how much growth that is. But yeah, it's uh, and not only that, it's just, there's so many other great things happening besides just the numbers, which mean, mean a lot. And so anyways, guys, thank you for listening to that. It was longer than I intended, but I felt like I got all of it out there for you. Sorry to anybody I mentioned that didn't want me to say that specific of information. I think at this point, if you work with me, you have to really tell me not to say something <laughs> for me not to say it. Uh, because it, I'm, I'm honestly, I don't have a big mouth, but I want to be transparent because there's just so much happening. And I'm really grateful that you guys are just following along and for the support. So with that being said, stay tuned for next week's episode. We'll be talking vasectomies and stay posted to the YouTube channel <laughs> because we're going to be doing more YouTube content. That's a really big goal of mine is to at least pump out one video per week. And I'm hoping to follow up the DH Vert Challenge video with that and with another video because of the new people coming through. Traffic timing would be really good. That's it, guys. Um, oh, I, I, one, can I tell you one more thing? Are you still there? <laughs> I just got on my in-body machine and measure myself. Weight, body fat, all that stuff. You guys, it's not looking good. I'm going to be honest with you. Last night, I was so frustrated with the podcast stuff and just... Some other things kind of caught up with me. At the same time, I saw someone doing this like no alcohol challenge and it was just enough in the right timing and the spark I needed to be like, you know what? I'm cutting out alcohol until Halloween and I'm recording this on September 29th, by the way. So just over a month, which is going to be so difficult. I mean, I've been so open about the fact that I've been stress drinking since my twins have been born because again, just the home life, I'm having a hard time like watching my kids solo. Uh, It's just so exhausting. (laughs) And so I've just been reaching for drinks and I can tell it's just not lining up with my other goals in life. Like it is, I love drinks and I, I love honestly like making cocktails and hanging out and having fun, whatever, all that stuff but it's not lining up with my other goals right now. And I want to get freaky shredded again. And my body fat percentage is currently 13%. And I kind of had a feeling it was, which don't get me wrong. I know I'm healthy, I'm fit, whatever performance is like great right now, but it's time to just go full dad savage mode, cut out the alcohol, get aggressive and be hard on myself. You know, it's, I need to step it up. We're coming into a time with, with dialed health where we have so much opportunity. And the one thing about 
getting really, really solid on my food is that the discipline spills over into the rest of my life. It's been like that every single time I've tracked uh, and gotten freaky shredded. As hard as it is, it's noticeable in other areas. You just get so sharp. And I'm looking forward to that. I feel like it's me making the most of this opportunity right now. And that's something I pray for every single morning. You know, like God show me the opportunities and allow me to take action. And this is just one of those things. It was in the back of my mind. It's been in the back of my mind for months where I'm just like, man, I feel like I'm drinking a little bit too much. I want to lean out or like maybe I can get leaner and still drink and do all this. Yes, I've done full podcast episodes on this. I know. <laughs> I know that is not impossible, but pretty dang close. It, it Trying to drink while you're trying to lose body fat, especially when you're already lean and you're just trying to get like super lean is it's like the biggest hurdle or red flag or idiot move you can make. It just is. So go back and check out the podcast on alcohol I've made about it and you'll kind of see why. But I've been fighting it. It's not going to be easy, but this is going to be a push I'll make. I'm just looking forward to the results and I'm just going to have to focus on that and tell myself to not be a little pansy boy, okay? (laughs) And I'll tell you, if you are really on the edge right now of like wanting to do something, but you're having a hard time pull the trigger, I'm bringing it up for accountability. I've already done this on my Instagram. I'm going to post it today, which will be like a week from when you hear this, but still I'm putting it out there for accountability. Because once I tell you guys, I have to do it. (laughs) I just do. I like can't lie to you. And I also can't come on here and tell you that I failed. So I have one option and that's what I'm doing. Join me. No official challenge, but let's just get after it. Pre-holiday shred, vert challenge is over. As you're listening to this, let's just get it tuned up for the holidays. And then we'll come into January with the dialed health shred officially swinging a little bit of momentum. So anyways, have an awesome week. I'll see you guys next Wednesday.